Well, we're glad that the ladies made it back home. Uh, we were able to put soap in the soap dispenser uh, this morning because Chris made it home. Isaac was over on uh, Friday and said, Papa, we're out of soap. I said, mm, I don't know where the soap's at. Ben, I guess, noticed that it was empty too. Isn't that nice? There's three generations of us that don't know how to put soap in a soap dispenser. So we're glad that Chris made it home. And so I hope everybody had a good time while they were gone. Sounds like everyone did. I still have a scratchy voice, so hopefully we'll make it through this lesson. Uh, but uh, I will say this is not my lesson. I have uh, acquired it from someone else. But I heard it and I thought, that sounds like something we need to think about. The Bible tells, well, I do have a throat lozenger in my mouth, so if it goes shooting out, just throw it back. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 that it's appointed unto man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. The simple fact of the matter is, death is coming to all of us. You can look around this room, and every single one of us, if the world lasts long enough, is going to die. It's kind of a sobering thought when you think about it. It's not something that we are able to avoid. It doesn't make us comfortable to think about it. Sometimes people try to put it all out of their mind for as long as they possibly can. But the fact of the matter is we're all going to die. And I believe that deep down inside of us, there's a desire to leave something behind. Something that causes us to want to be remembered by those who are left behind. I don't believe that there's any one of us that wants to die today and be forgotten tomorrow. We want people to remember us. We want some lingering memory. We really don't want to be forgotten. We want a memory of us at home. All those years that we spent at home, we want to be remembered by our family. In the workplace, we want some lingering memory that reminds them of us while they're working. We want our neighbors to remember us when we're gone. We want the church, the congregation that meets here, Wherever you're at when you die, you want to be remembered. We want to leave something behind. When we die, when we're gone, I believe that there are several things that we will leave behind. And we're going to look at five of those things this morning. You see, when we take that step from this world into eternity, we're going to be remembered. So let's think about that this morning. I don't want you to think about your neighbor. I don't want to think about your spouse. I want you to think about yourself as we go through this lesson. Because death is going to come to each one of us individually. And so I think that there are some things that we need to think about while we're here. Because one of the things that we're going to leave behind is a eulogy. Now, I mentioned this on the way to services this morning, and my wife said, well, you don't leave your eulogy. I said, yeah, you do. 
As a matter of fact, you're writing your eulogy every single day that you live. Being a preacher, one of the things that a preacher does is conduct funerals. And that is probably the most stressful, challenging thing that a preacher does in his work. Why? Because a funeral message is not like a Sunday sermon. In a Sunday sermon, you can go to open the Bible and there are literally thousands of topics and Scriptures to choose from. You can read a passage of Scripture in the Bible and if you work at it, you can make a sermon out of it. But a funeral sermon is much more limited than that. And depending on the person, it's even more limited. Have you ever thought about what you want people to say when you're gone? Do you want the preacher to stand up and tell the truth? Tell it like it is? Do you want the preacher to exaggerate the good that you've done and downplay the bad? Or do you want the preacher to just get up and lie and tell everybody you're a good person and you're on your way to heaven? when you know that you're not living that way. When you're gone, your eulogy stays behind. I want us to look at some of the eulogies that are found in the Bible. You may not have ever thought of it this way, but there's actually a eulogy of a Christian. <clears throat> Turn your Bible to Acts the ninth chapter. In Acts the ninth chapter, beginning in verse 36, we find there someone that has died, someone that is laid out, and we see the viewing. Kind of interesting when you look at it. Her name is Dorcas or Tabitha. Beginning in verse 36, it says, Now there was at Joppa, or Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works. And alms deeds which she did. That alms deed is some says charity things, charitable deeds. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he should not delay to come. Here we find a Christian woman who was sick. Her sickness led to her death. And may I remind us all that good people do get sick. And good people will die. Even Christians that are living the life that they should sometimes get sick and die. But here we see Dorcas as an individual who was full of good works and alms deeds. She died, and according to Jewish tradition, they were buried when they died on that same day. So they died before, or they, they were buried before the sun went down. So Dorcas died. They prepared her body, and they laid her in an upper room. So there we have it. You can see that she's on display. She's there for the viewing. And people are going to come in. 
And she was full of good works and acts of charity. That was her eulogy. Imagine having that as your eulogy. Because when the people came in, what did they do? The ladies that were there, they showed the garments that she had made and they wept. Why? Because they were going to miss her. Because that was the life that she lived. She was full of good deeds and alms deeds. Think about it. Dorcas is dead. But her eulogy is still there. When you're gone, what will you leave behind? Think about Barnabas. Acts chapter 4, verse 36. We're introduced to Barnabas for the first time. And on that occasion, he'd sold some property and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet to give to the church. <clears throat> and then later on, we can read where Saul of Tarsus, when he obeyed the gospel, that he wanted to join himself to a group of Christians and they were afraid because they'd heard many bad things about what he had done to the church. And it was Barnabas that went and encouraged those brethren to accept Saul of Tarsus. We can read where Barnabas went to Antioch and he encourages the church there. And then they read, or then we read where he goes with Saul, who was who was called Paul at that time, and they teach the gospel and save souls. What a eulogy! That's the memory that we have of Barnabas. He sacrificed for the church. He was an encourager. He preached the gospel, taught the gospel, and saved souls and established congregations in different places. What a eulogy. Listen. You are leaving a eulogy. But what eulogy are you leaving? Will your eulogy be full of good works and good deeds? Or will a preacher have to stand up and manufacture some good about you? When you die, you're going to leave your eulogy. Number two, when you die, you're going to leave your name. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1, it says a good name is better than precious ointment. In Proverbs 22 and verse 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. You ask, how can that be true? How can a good name be better than great riches? Well, think about it. Riches are just material things. You take a house, a mansion that's worth a million dollars, when you're done, guess what? It's still a, a, a mansion that's worth a million dollars. You buy a car that's worth sixty, seventy thousand dollars, and guess what? It doesn't matter, matter where you drive it, what you do with it, it's still a, a car that's worth sixty to seventy thousand dollars. And there it sits. Wealth is a material thing. But your name, your name speaks about your character. It speaks about your spirituality. It speaks about or to the excellence of how you lived your life 
or to the mess of what you've made of it. When you leave this world, your name stays behind. You know, we can think about some names in the Bible, and when they, you think of those names, just you automatically think of certain things. Abraham, when you think of Abraham, what do you think of? A friend of God. Known for his faith. When you think of Joseph, what do you think of? Do you think of someone who stood by God, stood with God, and never turned away from God, even though some very terrible things happened to him? His brother sold him into slavery, put in prison for a lie. When you think about Paul, what do you think of? What comes to your mind when you think of Paul? Missionary journeys? The work that he did for the church? The souls that he saved by teaching the Gospel? When you think of Aquila and Priscilla, what do you think of? Friends of Paul? Fellow tent makers? Two people that talked to Apollos and taught him the truth. When you think of Judas, what comes to mind? A betrayer. When you talk about Jezebel, what comes to your mind? Not good thoughts, are they? When you're gone, your name will stay here. And your name will be remembered by the life that you put on it. So you see, your eulogy will be something that you leave behind. Your name will be something that you leave behind. But something else that you will leave behind, number three, is your family. This may sound harsh, but it's a reality. That when you're gone, your family's going to look down at you. You're going to be laid out somewhere. You say, well, not me. I'll be cremated or something. They're going to look at you for the last time somewhere, sometime. And if you have a traditional funeral service, they're going to wheel that casket out. They're going to put it in the back of a hearse. And you're going to drive to a cemetery. A few words will be said. You'll get back in your car. And you'll drive home. And you'll enter that house for the first time. Your family will enter that house for the first time without you, without your voice, and without your personality. They will walk in there and you will be gone. But you will leave your family something to remember you by. And that will be your example. The example of the life that you lived while you were here on this earth with them. Your example will be an example of faithfulness to God or it will be a miserable example that no one should follow. You think about it. Think of the people in the Bible. Lois and Eunice. They taught Timothy the Scripture and the importance of following the Scripture and obeying the Scripture. 
That's what they left behind for Timothy. Hannah left behind an example of faithfulness for Samuel to follow. Think about Joshua and Caleb. As they said, yes, we can take the promised land, but the others said we can't. We're just grasshoppers. Joshua and Caleb said we can. Think of the example that Joshua left as being a leader of God's people. Think of Caleb when he said, give me this mountain. And it wasn't just a mountain. It was the mountain where the giants were that has scared everybody else off. So what kind of example did they leave? There's only a few times in the Bible where God refers to someone as His servant. Caleb was one of those individuals. I ask you, when you're gone, what are you leaving your family? I will tell you this, that if you're going to leave behind a faithful example for your family, then you've got to live a faithful life while you're here. You can't live for the devil and leave a eulogy, leave a name, leave an example for God. You cannot live unfaithful and leave behind a faithful example. I think every one of us can figure that out. One of our goals ought to be to never miss an assembly of God's people. Our goal should never to be or should never or should to be should be to never let the devil use any little old thing to hinder us in doing what God has told us to do. You see, you realize that sometimes we allow the simplest, the easiest things to cause us to miss a service or to not do what we know we should do in serving God. So yes, when you're gone, you will leave behind for your family an example that they will remember. Whether it's good or bad. Number four, you'll leave behind your congregation. When you're gone, Ridge Road will have an empty seat. When you're gone, Ridge Road will have two less hands to help do the work that needs to be done. <clears throat> When you're gone, the congregation will be informed. If I get the notice, I'll call someone and it'll spread out from there. The next Sunday, we're going to assemble. And when you're gone, what will the conversation be? In other words, when you're gone, what's everyone here that's left going to be saying? Are they going to be saying things like, we're sure going to miss him. We're sure going to miss her. Who's going to replace what they gave? Who's going to get, who are we going to get to do what they did? When we're gone, we're going to leave the congregation behind. 
question is, what are we going to say about you? You'll be remembered for something. I can throw out names here. And I'm sure if I threw those names out, certain things come to your mind. You'll be remembered for something. But what will it be? When you're gone, you will leave behind your eulogy. Somebody somewhere will stand up and have to say something about you. When you're gone, you're going to leave your name behind. And every time that name is mentioned, it's going to spark a memory, whether it's good or bad. When you're gone, your family will be left behind and you will leave behind an example that someone will follow. And I hope that your example is leading people to God. Because if it's not, it don't matter how good you are. If you're not doing what God wants you to do, if you're not a Christian, then you're leading them in the wrong direction. And when you leave behind, you'll leave behind your congregation. But number five, when you're gone, you will leave behind the souls that you saved. <clears throat> I would imagine, <clears throat> I would imagine that the devil was happy, that he was thrilled to death when the Apostle Paul was put to death. Because the Apostle Paul was very aggressive and tenacious about taking the gospel to the world. And I'm sure that the devil was happy when Saul or Paul died. But think about all the saved souls that Paul left behind. Think about all the saved that will be in heaven because of the Apostle Paul. Think about it. But I want you to think about this. When you and I are gone, and they lay us out right there. Is somebody going to stand behind that this microphone or that microphone and say, "I'm here. I'm a Christian because of him." I'm a Christian. Because of her. Can you imagine such a thing as that happening in your life? Can you imagine in heaven standing in the presence of God, someone saying, of what you said to me.
Can you imagine it? Here's what happens to us. We get busy living life. We get busy running around and doing things. And we don't give any thought to any of this stuff until someone we love or someone we care about dies. And then we think about it. But let me tell you this. Not only are all of us going to die, but most of us are going to die before we think we are. I've gone to the hospital to visit people that thought they were going to come home. They didn't come home. And that's just the way life is. Every one of us has an appointment with death. And when we die, we're all going to leave things behind. We're going to leave behind a eulogy. Someone somewhere is going to stand up and talk about us. We're going to leave behind a name. Your name is going to spark memories, good or bad, that will be dependent upon how you live your life. When you leave, you're going to leave behind your family. And your family will either draw closer to God or they'll drive farther away from God by what you've left them. When you die, you're going to leave behind a congregation. You see, there's lots of people who have died and are part of this congregation. And we have memories of them all. We're going to leave behind the saved souls. Listen, what matters is not the number of days that we live. We kind of got that backwards. What matters is the quality of the days that we live. I mentioned last Sunday that Methuselah lived over 350,000 days. What do we know about him? He had children. That's all we know about Methuselah. Over 350,000 days. And all we know is that he had children. But on the other hand, Jesus lived a little over 12,000 days. And what did He leave behind? The Bible tells us that the world couldn't even contain all the books and things that would be written if everything was written that Jesus did. What will you leave behind? What legacy are you leaving behind? You think people are talking about you now? Wait till you die. They'll have a lot more to say. We are leaving a legacy. We're not going to be talking about how long we lived or how old we are. They're going to be talking about how we lived and what we did. That legacy right now is in your hands. If that legacy is not what you want it to be, the good news is you can change that. 
If your eulogy isn't going to be good works and good deeds and obeying God, then you can change that. If your name is sparking thoughts that aren't good, then you can change that. If your example for your family that you're leaving isn't what it should be, you can change that. If you don't think the congregation is going to miss you, then you can change that too. And if you don't think that there's going to be any souls left behind that are saved, then you can change that and get busy. But you're leaving behind a legacy. And how you live determines what that legacy will be. This morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, we would invite you to come and have a seat on the front row while we stand and sit.